Parshas Shemini. Vayihi Bayom HaShemini. And it was on the eighth day of the inauguration of the Mishkan. The Am Yisrael was celebrating a great day in our history, the climax of the eight-day dedication ceremony for the house of Hashem. After seven days of Moshe performing the Avoida by himself, Aaron and his sons would now be consecrated as the Kohanim and for the first time perform the Avoida in the Mishkan. And the Shekhinah would come to rest in the house of Hashem. And on a day like that, it was the hope of the Am Yisroel that every detail of the inaugural Avoidah should be perfect and nothing should go wrong. And it was Moshe Rabbeinu, the leader of the nation, who was tasked with the role of making sure that it would be so. And so, Darosh Darash Moshe. Moshe diligently inquired after every detail. The double Lushan, he inquired, he inquired, is emphasizing Moshe's utmost care in making sure that everything was being done in accordance with the exact command of Hashem. And so, when he inquired about the he-goat of the sin offering, and he was told that it had been burnt completely on the Mizbeach instead of being eaten by the Kohanim, so he became wrathful. And Moshe was angry at Al-Azhar and Isamar Shmini. Moshe was angry. Now, to our little minds, that might not seem so surprising. After all, isn't that how it's supposed to be? When something is done against our will, something that's important to us, so we get frustrated. We're angry. It's natural. Sometimes you might even explode. But we understand that Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't like us. He was the most perfect of all men. And Ish Elohim, who had complete control over his emotions. And so, it's a big question. Could it be that Moshe reacted to that base impulse of rage, just like that? And the question is only magnified even more when we study the words of the Rambam in Hilchus Deus. He says there that anger is so dangerous of a midah that it belongs in a category separate from almost all other midas. When it comes to most qualities of character, the Rambam says that we should aim to avoid extremes. HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't approve of extremes. He prefers that people walk the middle road. What the Rambam calls the Derech Hayishara. For example, happiness, simcha. A man should not be too ecstatic, wild with joy. You see how in America everyone is always guffling, loud laughing, and litzanis all the time? No, that's not the Torah way of happiness. But a man shouldn't be sad and despondent either says the Rambam. He should take the middle path. He should always be cheerful, filled with a satisfaction in life, an authentic joy that never dissipates. And it's like that with other Midas too. Let's say generosity and stinginess. A person shouldn't waste money. He shouldn't be a spendthrift. But he also shouldn't be a tightwad and try to save every dollar that he has. He should walk the middle path by parting easily with money for his family's needs. He should find it easy to separate from his money for what's needed in the house and other good causes, at the same time that he lives with good sense and frugality, not wasting money on foolish things. And if you look over there in the Rambam, you'll see that this is his recommendation for almost all of the character traits. It's the great principle of walking the Shvil HaZahav, the golden path of the Derech HaEmsa'i. 
However, says the Rambam, anger is one of the few qualities of character that are, us- that are usher for a man even in a medium way. Anger is so perilous, so harmful, that you should aim for the extreme. There's no aspiring to walk the middle road when it comes to chaos. The Chachamim advise us to go against our nature. We should undertake an attitude in life of trying to avoid anger no matter what. You should train yourself not to become angry, even when it would appear to be justified. Even if somebody would hit you or embarrass you, you should act like nothing happened. It's not easy. Just listening to these words is not enough. A person must train himself for a long time until the quality of wrath is uprooted. No matter what happens, he tells himself again and again, I am not going to get angry even if I'm justified 100%. That's how he has to think. Could be you think you're 100% right and the other person is 100% wrong. But no matter, I'm not going to be angry no matter what. It's not easy. But it has to be done. So here's a man who quarrels with his wife. Now, it's possible that both of them are to blame, but he should worry about himself right now. And so, when he comes home at night, as he's holding the doorknob in his hand, let him think, no matter what, tonight, I'm not going to react. I heard Rabbi Miller say that in a lecture, so I'm going to try it out. He steals himself for whatever may come. And so, when he opens the door, he's prepared, because he already came to this lecture tonight. Where were you all night long, she's yelling. I was left with the children. They are driving me crazy. And so on and so forth. But instead of exploding and saying, what do you want from me? I'm trying to make a living. No. He keeps quiet. He has a lot to say, but he keeps his mouth closed. Maybe he opens it just a little bit. Oh, no. I'm so sorry you had a difficult day. Tell me what happened, he says in a quiet voice. Now you won't be able to do such a thing naturally. You have to fortify yourself beforehand. He makes himself ready while he's still still standing outside the house. No matter what happens, I'm not going to react. The first evening, it's not so easy. His blood is boiling and it's not easy to keep his tongue locked behind his teeth. But he does it and the night passes Beshalom. Then another day passes, and then another day, and after a while, it comes to him easier and easier. And he should continue in this manner for a long time. The Rambam doesn't say how long, but you have to work on this until finally the quality of anger is uprooted from your mind entirely. You won't even sense those things that would cause others to to be angry. You'll be able to remain calm under any circumstances, because it doesn't even occur to you to become angry. And what's remarkable about the Mida of anger is that unlike other Midas, where you're expected to come back to the Derech HaEmsa'i, when it comes to Ka'as, there is no going back to the middle of the road. He should go against his nature and continue in this way for a long time until the quality of wrath is uprooted. And once he achieves that, he never should move away from that extreme. Anger is too dangerous for walking the middle path. And so we come back to the anger of Moshe Rabbeinu in our parsha. Vayiksof, Moshe Rabbeinu was foaming. The word ketzef means when water is so agitated that it froth and becomes foamy. And so the pasuk seems to be telling us that Moshe was frothing. He was foaming at the mouth. 
And it wasn't only once. In the Torah we find Vayikshof again and again. When he came down from Harsinai and found the people dancing around the Egel, the Egel he smashed the Luchas. You don't smash Luchas unless you're angry. And 40 years later, as Moshe was preparing to say his last goodbye to the Am Yisrael again, Vayikshof Moshe al Moshe was angry at the officers of the army. And he was angry other times too. And that's a big question. How could it be that such a righteous man is becoming angry again and again? And the answer is that as much as the Rambam teaches us how important it is to avoid anger, he doesn't approve of people who don't have caste. You shouldn't be like a dead person who doesn't feel any anger. Elohim asa et ha'adam yashor. Hashem made man in the right way. Kohelas. It means that all the functions of a person are essential to him. Not only the bodily functions, even the emotions of a person were purposefully placed in man. Compassion and cruelty, generosity and stinginess, envy and satisfaction. There's no end to the different character traits that Hashem has implanted in mankind. And every media that mankind possesses is intended to be used according to the will of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The wise man learns how much of each media of each mida is to be used and in which situations so that he should achieve perfection of character. Al pi And that means that Ka'as too is a wonderful creation of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And I don't use the word wonderful lightly. Anger is a miraculous faculty of the mind and the body, working together in tandem. Because what is anger? It's not merely an emotion of the mind, and it's not just a scowl on your face either. No, your entire body becomes angry. What happens when someone becomes angry? On top of your kidneys, there are two small glands called the adrenal glands. And when these glands get the signal from your brain, when your brain tells them, it's time now for your body to get angry, So these glands inject into your bloodstream a certain hormone, a secretion that makes your blood full of sugar. And this surplus imbues you with excess energy. You suddenly have more energy than you would normally have. And you need this extra energy. It's a stimulant. Your entire body is reacting to your thoughts of anger now. Your blood is boiling. An angry man's blood is an entirely different type of blood. Now, why is HaKadosh Baruch Hu doing this now inside your body? What's the purpose of such changes? And the answer is that anger is an important weapon that we sometimes must make, use, must make use of. There are times that this excess strength will help a man accomplish what he couldn't do otherwise. He'll be able to overcome obstacles that he ordinarily wouldn't be able to prevail against. So let's say there's a bully that he ordinarily wouldn't take on. When he's in his calm mind, he would reconsider. But when he becomes angry, his blood is charged with a new energy. And therefore, he runs into the fray. And many times, he's able to overcome the bully and save an innocent victim. Now, I'm not recommending that. Because the bully might have a knife. And if he doesn't, then his cousin truly does. Every good Gentile used to carry a knife on him. I remember when I was in Lithuania for six years. Every Lithuanian carried a knife in his boots. And he didn't carry it for ballast. He used it. If you started up with a Lithuanian goy and you got away without having a knife drawn on you, you would consider yourself a very lucky fellow. Now, the bums today are not much different. 
And therefore, the best way to make use of the extra sugar, the surplus energy, is by running away. That's the best thing to do with the extra energy. Flee! I always tell you the old Chinese proverb. The one who runs away, that's the hero. If you survive, you're the winner. And you need energy to defend yourself and run away. And it's anger that gives you that energy. But in case you're not quick enough to make a getaway, there are certain Gentiles that can run quicker than Jews. So you might get a blow, a wound, Khalila. And therefore, at the same time that these glands are stimulating your body with more energy, they also put into your blood a material called fibrinogen, a clotting agent. That's one of the wonders of the process of anger. The same adrenaline glands that cause your blood to be impregnated with sugar causes it to become thicker with fibrinogen. So it'll clot quicker if there's a wound. Now, all of that is for a purpose. It's a gift, mina shamaim, because many times you have to go into battle and you need that stimulant that anger provides. You need extra energy to fight back against the shayim. You know, when David went into battle against the nations, he didn't carry with him only, only his tehillim. He raised up his battle axe and he summoned the Mida of Kas. I will pursue my enemies and annihilate them. You think David Amelach destroyed his enemies with love? Certainly anger is the, in the midst of battle is very important. How can you go without anger? The Rambam says that a man without Kas is like a cripple. He's castrated. You must get angry at the Rishayim. You must be filled with indignation at injustice. Wasn't Pinchas angry when he saw what Zimri was about to do? Wasn't Matisyahu angry when he saw the Jew who was about to conform to the request of the Greek official and bring an offering to Avaidazara? Certainly Tzadikim get angry. And that's why when Moshe Rabbeinu came down from Har Sinai, carrying the Luchas, and he saw some of the Am Yisrael singing and dancing around the Egel, did he wait for his anger to subside? No. He took the tablets of stone and he hurled them down and he smashed them to pieces. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu later said to him, Yashikoyach, it's a good thing that you got angry and smashed those Luchas to pieces. Gemara Shabbos. Moshe was angry. And that was a great lesson to the people. The people were shocked. They were stunned. They're all waiting. And finally, Moshe Rabbeinu was coming down the mountain with the stone tablets that Hashem had hewed and inscribed with his own script. And now this angry man broke them into pieces. I broke them before your eyes. Devarim. Ooh, that put a quick end to the party. It was an anger that cooled them off from the celebration around the golden calf. It was an act of anger that was pleasing to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And then Moshe Rabbeinu stood at the gateway of the camp and he called out, Mila Hashem Eli, who is for Hashem, should come to me. And who came to him? Only the angry ones. If you weren't angry, you stayed in your tent. Not everyone was willing to do that. They were afraid. Once you go with Moshe Rabbeinu, who knows what you'll have to do? You might have to take vigorous and very decisive action. You might have to kill your brother too. V'yasfu elav kol b'nei levi. The b'nei levi rallied to the cry of Moshe Rabbeinu. Shemos. 
The entire Shevet was burning with anger, and they gathered around Moshe. Here we are! And so Moshe said, each one of you should gird your sword on your loins and begin executing everyone who worshipped the golden calf, whether it's your brother, friend, or relative. And because they were angry, they listened. The one who said about his father and mother, I have not favored him. He did not give recognition to his brothers, and he acted as if he didn't know his children. Devarim. Levi refused to recognize his relatives. Relatives, not relatives, it doesn't matter. Anyone who was guilty of the Egel, they put him to death. 3,000 were executed at that time, and it took anger to accomplish such difficult work. Now, we know that this is the reason that the Shevet Levi attained greatness with Hashem. Be'etahi, hivdil Hashem et Shevet HaLevi. At that time, Hashem set apart the Shevet Levi. Ooh! Such a shevet, a shevet that is angry over my honor. I'm going to elevate them. That's what anger was created for, to see that justice is done. The shevet levy didn't get angry about broken dishes or about someone blocking their driveway. But for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, ooh, did they get angry. And therefore, the levim belong to me, said Hashem, Bamidbar. And the, and the Medrash says in Vayikra Rabbah, If you're a Levi, if you're only angry about my honor, then you have a special zuchus in Oylem Haba too. That anger elevated them forever. They were separated for greatness because of their anger. Our history is full of stories of great people who utilized their anger for the service of Hashem. Pinchas was a Kanai. It means he was an angry man. And when he saw Zimri going into the tent with Cosby Batsu, so Pinchas took a spear and pierced their bodies with it. You can't do such a thing with a calm mind. You have to have the fire of anger to drive you to do it. What type of anger? Anger for the cause of Kavod Shamayim. To put an end to the Chilul Hashem. To fight with a bully like that. Someone who flouts the Devar Hashem in public. That's when you must listen to your anger. Pinchas understood what Hashem required from him at that moment, and he mustered the meat of anger that Hashem implanted in his, in his neshama. He said, Kaas, come forth from me. I need you now. And the anger that he felt when he saw the Chilol Hashem now overflowed. It came out, and he rushed forth with his spear. Sometimes we want the anger to come forth. HaKadosh Baruch Hu puts in mankind in anger so that society should want to rise up against the criminal. Unless you were miseducated in the colleges, you'll feel a natural anger and indignation against injustice. That's why it's, te- it's a terrible crime today when judges postpone trials and the criminal many times doesn't come into the courtroom for a year or longer. They want to wait. They want to wait until the anger has already subsided? No! Ein me'anin es hadin. You cannot postpone judgment. As soon as possible, the criminal must be brought to judgment while the blood is still boiling with anger. When the blood of the victim is just recently buried, is crying out from the earth, and the blood of society is bubbling with anger, that's the time to judge the man because the purpose of anger is to take revenge. Certainly society has to take revenge. That's what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants. 
now people in general, when it doesn't affect them personally, they have a lassitude, a feeling of negligence. It's none of my business, they think. Sometimes a person might even have misplaced pity. You're going to take a human being and put him in the electric chair? Now, I know that today you'll find Lamdanim, who'll come out with all teshuvas that we don't want people to be killed today. That we shouldn't intervene, we should not intervene with the government against capital punishments, they think. And these things, you have to know, are triggered by the liberals who go to Gedolim and finagle from them to Shuvas. It's not true. Actually, in the olden days, they were happy that the government had Dine Nefoshes because when they're Danin Vehargin, when the government kills, it's a great restraint against crime. Among Jews, we say, Nakom Yenakem, crime surely must be avenged. Shemos. It means that you have to be angry at criminals, not like that criminal governor Cuomo who vetoed the death penalty. He's the criminal. He's the one who will be to blame for the murders that will take place in the future because now they know they have a friend in Albany. All the criminals and all the liberal lawyers know they can rely on him. It's only when the leaders of society make a display of justified anger against wrongdoing. That's when society functions properly. And so we see now that sometimes you must have anger. You can't be a stoic and not let wickedness make an effect on you. And the truth is that it's not only for criminals and murderers. It's not reserved for people dancing around an egel or a bootlicker who's who's kowtowing to the Syrian Greeks, even in your house. Some things a man cannot allow to go on in his house. He can't allow his house to become like an Irishman's house. Absolutely, the home is his responsibility. Sometimes he hears what happened. Things that the child did or somebody else did. And he must react. He must recognize that the anger bubbling within him is there for a reason. And yet at the same time, he must also understand that anger is like dynamite. It's a useful tool that can be dangerous when misused. Dynamite, you know, is a wonderful invention. Let's say you're trying to make a road and you come to a rocky hill that's standing in the way of your new throughway. Now, it's going to be a problem if you'll have to make a detour around every mountain. So you take sticks of dynamite and you blow the rock out of the way to make a path through that mountain. But suppose you work dynamiting mountains for the Department of Highways and now you come home and you're locked out of the house. You can't find your key, and your wife is out somewhere. So will you take a piece of dynamite that you have in your work truck and put it near the door to blow the door open? No, you can't use such extreme means. Dynamite is not for that. Now, let's say this man dynamites the door open, and now he's in the house. It doesn't end there. A man like that never knows when to stop. When the door is finally open, he explodes with emotional dynamite. Why did you lock the latch from the inside? I was trying to get in all this time. Of course, I tried the key. Don't you have any consideration for me? I'm standing outside in the freezing cold. Don't people here think about things before they do them? A man like that is the biggest failure there is. He's a terror. Nobody wants him there. His wife and his children wish he would go back to work. And that's because he's using his dynamite in the wrong place. His children and his wife are not dancing around an egg And they're not Syrian Greeks either. Are you going to carry dynamite sticks in your pockets? And every time someone tries to get in your way, you'll throw a stick of dynamite at him? No, that's not advisable. You can't throw dynamite around indiscriminately. And you can't use 
anger indiscriminately either. That's how a house is destroyed. And so, once a man realizes that anger is a very powerful medium that should only be used very infrequently, so he makes up his mind, I'm going to put the dynamite in the basement, in the locked cabinet, and not use it except for extreme cases. He doesn't walk the middle road when it comes to anger. Although it's made for a purpose, nevertheless, it must be put away and taken out only for the most dire emergencies. Now, there are many people who take their anger out of the locked cabinet all too often. Some people don't even bother closing the cabinet at all. And it becomes a terrible sickness of the soul that has terrible repercussions for a person. In Mesef Nedorim, we find an important statement that teaches us about the results of a person's anger. Rabbi Shmuel Bar Nachmeni said in the name of Rabbi Yonasan, Anyone who gets angry has to know that eventually all the different kinds of Gehenim will have control over him. Like it states in Koheles, remove anger from your heart. And thereby remove what's bad from your flesh. And there is no real bad except Gehenim. And we're going to talk about Ra, says the Gemara. If you want to know what's really bad, then you must know that Gehenim is the true place of misfortune. Now, before we continue studying this Gemara, those words, there is no real bad except for Gehenim, are themselves a very important lesson. We're learning now that all of the fears, all of the apprehensions and worries that people entertain are nothing when compared to the fear of Gehenim. We're expected to know that nothing means anything except the worry of committing a misdeed. So when the stock market is toppling, or when the world is shaken by strife, no matter what, even the greatest misfortunes should not shake his composure. All the things that transpire in this life are actually in themselves meaningless to us, because they are all the concern of a Baruch Hu alone. It's his business, not ours. It's the worry about your sins. That's what should be in, your fo- in the forefront of your thoughts. Because there's only one real evil that can result to a man, and that is the ultimate evil of Gehenim. Gehenim is a terrible fate. The most terrible of terrors that a person could imagine, and even the wildest dreams that he ever had, would never equal the truth of Gehenim. And therefore, that's the only thing you have to fear. That's the only thing to be worried about. What's going to be... The result of my misdeeds in the next world. The great day of reckoning. That's what I'm afraid of. And so we go back to the words of Rabbi, of Rabbi Yonasan in the Gemara. Anyone who gets angry has to know that eventually all the different kinds of Gehenim will have control over him. Not only will the angry man inherit for himself Gehenim, but it will be every form of Gehenim. And that's because Kaas means every kind of sin. Of course, Kaas can cause a person sometimes to be Mechal Shabbos. And in his Kaas, sometimes he'll do even worse things too. There have been boys and girls who ran away out of Kaas and they accepted a cult instead of the Jewish faith. People have bowed down to idols to spite their families because of Kaas. But we're not even talking about that now. We're talking now about a person who learns Toida and he performs mitzvahs. And about him, the Gemara says that every treatment in Gehedim is waiting for him. Because Kaz brings a person not only to be angry, every midra'ah comes as a result of anger. It brings a person also to be mean and to say hurtful words. People break 
other people's hearts in their anger. It brings a person to do all kinds of wicked things, to say Lashon Hara, to slander others, and to ruin their lives. And for so many types of sins, you need so many types of Gehenim treatments. Now you have to know that in Gehenim, the treatments are not as easy as the treatments in this world. In this world, if you take a Sefer, like the Reish's Chachma, or Shevitz Musr, and study them, so then you'll heal yourself the easy way. If you take the Sefer Pelioetz, or or, or Chassadikim, or if you'll take a Sefer like Mesilus Yashodim, these Sefarim will be a salve, a bomb on your blister of anger, and they'll cause it gradually to go away almost painlessly. By learning the right kind of Torah, a person can change his character and can remedy his faults almost painlessly in this world. But if he neglected to do that, and he goes to Gehenna with that blister, with that ulcer of anger, there the treatment is entirely different. In Gehenna, there's no more Mesilus Yishodim, no more Orchai Sadikim. All these good remedies are left behind in this world. And instead, they have very powerful chemicals like burning lye to heal your neshama. They'll put burning lye on that ulcer and they'll remove it. But it hurts like Gehenna. And this, I cannot describe to you because it's indescribable. Just to heal one midra'ah, a person must undergo a terrible torture. And kas is the source of many, many midra'os and many, many sins. The Gemara says, Kol hakois. When someone becomes angry, afilu shechina enu chashuva kinegdo. Even the shechina is not important in his mind. Nedarim. Hashem doesn't matter to him. Now that's a remarkable statement, and the angry man would deny it vehemently. Chas v'shalom, he'll say, I put on tefillin every day, and I daven with a minion. What do you mean Hashem doesn't matter to me? But Chazal looked into the panemius, into the subconscious mind of the koes, and testified that at that moment of anger, he doesn't care for anything. Even the Shekhinah doesn't mean anything to him at that moment. Shneemar, they quote a Pasuk in Tehillim. Russia Kegova Apo. When the Russia becomes highly angry, Baal Yidrush, he doesn't care to think into anything. At that moment, he loses his mind. And what's the result? Ein Elohim Kol Mizimosav. All of his machshavas end up in the idea that ain Elohim, that there is no Hashem. This is a remarkably extreme statement. That when a man becomes very angry, so he tends toward the mentality that ain Elohim. Now we'll understand this as follows. Kaas comes because something is not in according to this man's will. Not according to his desires. He sees some opposition or some frustration of his hopes. And he becomes dissatisfied with the way things are. The thing that he wished didn't come true. Or the situation is not the way he wanted it to be. And that causes his casas, his cast to assert itself. He's, ang- he's angry now with the way things are. As if HaKadosh Baruch Hu had neglected to take care of things properly. As if HaKadosh Baruch Hu has overlooked something. And was faulty in his supervision. Now as we said before. He wouldn't be that bold to formulate such words. He's a firm man and he'll never say such a thing. But actually, the idea that the world is controlled by a benevolent ruler, by an all-powerful, all-seeing God, whose purpose is kindliness, that idea is weakened in his mind when he gets angry. 
And when he becomes angry frequently, then Hashem is gradually erased from his mind. Every time he becomes angry, his amuna becomes more and more pale and dim. He doesn't feel the Shekhinah is close anymore. And he acts in his subconscious mind as if the world has no supervision. And things happen by chaos and accident. Actually, he becomes a kaifed without realizing it. And that's why the Gemara says there that he can take it to the bank, that his scale is way down on the side of Gehenna. An angry person doesn't have to wait for the Yomadin to find out what's going to be with him. He can already be assured that his sins are more than his merits. He's a shoyman mitzvah, no question about that. And yet, if he gets angry, it's Yadua. He should know beforehand that there's no question. His sins exceed his good deeds. And that's what the Gemara is telling us here. A person must take it into his head, whether he is a great Balkas or a little Balkas, to think about this matter earnestly. It's one of the great issues of life, because his entire place in the world to come is dependent on that. Remove anger from your heart. And thereby remove the punishments of Gehenna from yourself. Now all of this is true. Nothing could be more true than what's waiting for a man in the next world. But still we shouldn't forget about the Peshuto Shel Mikra of this Pasuk, which is just as true. Shlomo HaMelech says, kaas Remove kaas from your mind, And remove all types of trouble from your flesh. From your flesh in this world. Every kind of trouble comes from chaos. We see it all the time on all sides. That when people are victims of their anger, their lives are ruined in this world as well. That's the plain meaning of the Pasuk. Shlomo HaMelech is telling us that all kinds of disasters and misfortunes are waiting for a person who is quick-tempered. Now, we understand that there is a certain exhilaration in yielding to anger because it's like narcotics. It stimulates the body when the extra sugars begin flowing through the veins. But it's not so good for your health if your body is frequently and needlessly stimulated. Anger causes ill health. Sometimes you become a regular sugar producer and you'll become a diabetic, chas v'sholem. Their metabolism is upset and now they become a diabetic. I know people who contracted, who contracted diabetes because of anger. When the metabolism is upset, the body cannot utilize its mechanism of taking the starches and utilizing them properly, so he becomes oversupplied with sugar. He has sugar in his blood, and that's why a diabetic person is always in danger of his life, unless he's constantly taking insulin or medication. And even then, anything could happen. It's a result of anger. There are many people who are blind today just because of anger. There was a man who told me himself, how did he lose his eyesight? He acquired diabetes and it blinded him eventually. How did he become a diabetic? He said because he had a situation with a son that angered him constantly and his wife was on his son's side. And the end was that he acquired diabetes and he became blind. I once visited him, I once visited him in his apartment. He was stuck in a bad neighborhood, a blind man all by himself. His wife had left him. I knocked on the door and the door was like a fortress. It was a solid iron door. A man living by himself in a dangerous neighborhood. He was stranded. And it was all because of the Mida of Kaas. Now I'm not saying that he wasn't justified. But whatever it was, that's what Kaas can cause. Other people get strokes in the head from anger. Chas v'sholem. 
Because the blood, in order to travel through the fine blood vessels in the brain, sometimes only one corpuscle can travel through at a time. In a single file, they have to pass through. That's how thin some of these blood vessels in the brain actually are. And sometimes, if the blood is a little heavy with fibrinogen, it clots and it clogs up the little artery in the brain. And that's a stroke, Halila. Many people have died in a stroke of anger. How many people have dropped dead of heart failure because of anger? Keep in mind, too, that even while they're still alive, their lives are not lives because of their anger. But they drop dead, too. You know, a man who has a certain condition, his wife can kill him without a gun. If she makes him angry and he boils up, suddenly something bursts. A blood vessel in his head bursts. And he's finished. There was once a famous English physician who diagnosed his own case. Anyone who wants can kill me because I'm an angry man, he said. Any rascal can come and make me lose my temper. And that would be the end of me. Anger ends people's marriage careers as well. That's why there are so many divorces. As soon as people get married, they begin dynamiting their way into unhappiness. It all began so wonderfully. There was romance and flowers and music and perfume. Everything was beautiful. But then they settled down to a humdrum of daily life. And now he needs, let's say, to brush his teeth in the morning. And his beloved is occupying the bathroom a little longer than he wants. So he starts pounding on the door. His glands are pumping sugar into his blood. And he's becoming more and more excited. The anger that was meant to be used for the most rare occasions is now being used because of an occupied toilet. And now she discovers who he really is. Oh no, she didn't marry a man like that. And that is the beginning of a great deal of trouble in life. I'm talking now about a man, but the same is for a woman. If she wants to spend on something and he feels that they can't afford it yet, she feels frustrated. He's preventing me from buying something that I desire. So all her life she was spoiled as, as a little girl whose mother waited on her hand and foot. And now she's angry because she can't get what she wants. And her husband looks on in astonishment. Is this the lovely woman that I married? He sees a raging female. A raging female is not so beautiful anymore. Now, of course, every married couple must know that it is not the end. Of course, even after a person makes an error, a woman or a man might get angry and say or do the wrong thing. Still, it's never too late. You can always make amends if you listen to the good advice. You won't let the thing last too long. You try to sew it up as quickly as you can. You try to forgive and forget right away. The next day, act like it. nothing happened. Act like it never happened. It may seem like it's a little funny, but what do you care? You want to continue to live normally, so, you do, so you'll do funny things. Here's a man who got angry. He lost his temper and he slapped his wife. It shouldn't have happened. A wicked thing, a terrible hate. He was shouting at her and he got excited and he gave her a slap in the face. He realized that he had made a terrible mistake and that he had to make shalom. And in order to apologize, he bought her a gift, a gift box, a box of candy or chocolate, whatever it was. And she accepted it. She accepted it. Now, actually, he should have gone over to New York to Manhattan and bought her a diamond. It would have cost him maybe $1,500 or $2,000. And he'll have to pay it in installments for five years. No matter, it pays. He shouldn't, he should bring the diamond home without saying anything. Just give it to her. Hopefully she'll take it. But this man didn't do that. He went out and bought a box, a box of chocolates instead. 
of a diamond ring. Now, is a box of chocolate enough to appease a wife for a wicked thing like a slap? It's Meshuggah! But she was a smart woman, and she accepted that box of chocolates. She let herself become appeased with a little nothing. She is wiser than all the fools who call me on the phone and tell me about how they're going to, to, to the courts and break, to break up their marriage because of this and that. They're setting themselves up for a life of unhappiness while this wise woman is still happily married and dancing at her grandchildren's chasinus. Now, sometimes the trouble already begins at the wedding. Everybody is hectic and nervous. And so when you come out of the Yichud room, it's a stupid custom recently instituted that the Chassan and Kala, when they come out of the Yichud room, so the Kala displays a gift that the Chassan gave to her. A new Minhug, Minhug America. And so he comes out and her mother says to her, so what did the Chassan give to you? She says, give me Baruch Hashem. I'm married. That's all I wanted. He didn't give you anything? And she says it in a loud voice. Now the chassan hears these foolish words of his mother-in-law. And he never learned this pasuk in Mishle. So he gets angry and he retorts. What's in your business? What I give to my wife? He says to his mother-in-law. And she answers him. And he answers her. And that's the beginning of the end. Now, Now there begins a long line of recriminations that ends up in a divorce, and a dean toida, and a court fight, and broken hearts, and broken health. A tragedy, a terrible tragedy. Sometimes a child is born in between two, and that poor child is a victim. A lifelong victim of a broken home. Now, had that boy been prepared previously, so he would have trained himself to avoid anger at all costs. Of course, the mother-in-law should have prepared herself too. But this chassan is a Talmud Chacham. He can't learn the Pashat Pashat of a Pasuk in Mishle. If he would have prepared himself by learning these words that Shlomo HaMelech says, remove cats from your heart and you'll remove a lot of trouble from your life. So he knows already that when people are going to say something unfair to you, it doesn't make an impression and you remain calm. He wouldn't have lost his temper at that moment and the incident would have passed by. They would have celebrated many brisim, many birthdays and bar mitzvahs. They would have danced at chazanas of children and great-grandchildren. Who knows how many happy occasions they would have celebrated together, if not for one careless fit of anger. And therefore, anger is a terrible tool. It's dynamite that must be locked away in a cabinet. And yet sometimes you must open that anger cabinet. A man must show that cause sometimes. You can't have a stony heart like the Greek Stoics and not let wickedness make an effect on you. So what should one do? So the Rambam advises that you should make cause upon him below cause a lave. Train yourself to make offense of cause, even though inwardly you are in control. The little fire of anger you feel inside is a warning signal that you might have to react. But you make it your business beforehand to say, I'm just a play actor, and in my heart, I have no resentment at all. Try it sometimes. You're in control. You're only acting like you're angry. That's an important point. There is such a thing as anger for a just purpose. But even then, it should be kas upon him, vlokas haleiv. It should be just an externality, an act. And this is something that parents and teachers must learn. It's something everyone must learn. You're putting on a show. When you recognize the anger against your wrongdoing welling up within you, you quash it. You smother it 
and you begin to act. Anyone who is guiding others must learn how to put on an act of anger. He's just doing his duty by behaving as if he were angry, while inwardly he's full of composure. You can be very angry outwardly, but inwardly you should attempt to be calm. Only have to be careful because sometimes from the face it permeates down to the heart too. Sometimes it's not possible for a person to do a good job. And once he assumes a mask of anger, his interiority follows his exteriority. That happens too. But the ideal is that you should be only outwardly angry. You steal yourself beforehand. You'll insulate your heart against it and say, I'm only play acting. In your heart, you are as calm as could be. I told you once about Reb Simcha Zissel Zichron Levlaka. He had a minhug when he had to get angry. He had a hat, a special hat that he kept, he kept on a shelf. And when the time came for him to become angry, he put that hat on. He went and took the hat off the shelf and then announced to himself, this is my anger hat. That reminded him that he's now putting on an act, that his anger was a lavush, an externality. It wasn't him, it was just the cover he was putting on. And he made sure never to become angry unless he wore that hat. And by means of that, he reminded himself that he shouldn't allow the anger to percolate into his heart. I once went to a meeting. I was sent by a Rosh Yeshiva to a board of directors meeting for the Yeshiva. We had to ask them for money to employ another person, another Rebbe. But the board of directors didn't have any money. And they said that they couldn't hire another person. So I was angry at them. When I came back and told the Rosh Hashiva what the board of directors said, so the Rosh Hashiva asked me, were you angry at them? And I said, yes, very angry. We need that, Rebbe. So the Rosh Hashiva said, oh no, you should have shown just a face of anger. You shouldn't have actually been angry inside. It's kas upon him, you show. But there shouldn't be kas halev. Now Moshe Rabbeinu, you have to know, didn't need any Rosh Hashiva to remind him. Moshe was a master over his emotions. He wasn't overcome by grief or joy. You think Moshe Rabbeinu lost his temper, Chaz v'sholem? If anybody thinks that, he's making a fundamental error. Moshe Rabbeinu was the most perfect of all men. He had trained himself in the awareness that he was always standing before Hashem. And he was therefore able to turn on his anger the way we turn on the faucet. And so this greatest of men deemed anger a necessity. So he donned the mask of wrath. Vayiksof Moshe means he put on a face of anger. Vayiksof comes from the root ketzef, like in the words ketzef al penemayim, like a foam, a froth upon the water. Hoshea, the ketzef is only al penemayim. It's only superficial, and that's enough. Kas upon him, velo kas haleiv. And that's the explanation for all the instances where you find that Moshe Rabbeinu became angry when he saw something that he thought was wrong, something that was against the will of Hashem, and he felt the anger in his heart that was telling him something must be done. So he put on his, he put on his mask and frightened them. Moshe Rabbeinu showed them a mask of anger and it frightened them into submission. And that's the great lesson of Vayiksof. That sometimes you have to show a face of anger. But it's only a ketzef. It's only a superficial bubbling of the surface. Sometimes you have to put on that hat of anger in your house. You have to show your children. Hey, you can't do that. Let's say sometimes a child insists on running out into the street where it's dangerous. And you have to give him a patch and warn him not to do it again. 
even the fondest parent, needs sometimes to recognize the anger bubbling within him is an important stimulus, and then he'll find a wrath for the benefit of his child. But as much as possible, it's always anger of the countenance, but not of the mind. Now, I couldn't tell you all the details when yes, when no, how much yes, how much no. The situation that we face are endless. And therefore, the words you're hearing now, they need to be applied judiciously. Everything that you hear in this place is like good meat. I hope it's good meat. But even good meat you can't eat by itself. You have to have a little bit of onions. You need a little bit of salt and pepper too. You need some condiments. If you'll buy a piece of meat in a butcher shop and try to eat it straight from the butcher block, you won't enjoy it too much. Everything you hear needs to be explained and applied into practice. You need a great many other things besides these words alone. What you're hearing are just generalities or generalizations. We're not talking about waving a magic wand and suddenly everything is transformed. You expect that by hearing this lecture, you're going to be transformed. You can't expect to hear something once and just walk away. And now you're all ready now to face the world. And so you'll have to hear these ideas over and over again and think into them. Only by dint of studying, so you'll come to know how to keep far, far away from anger and how to use it when needed, when yes and when not, and how much. And so you have to get to work changing yourself Certainly it takes work. Nothing good comes easy. Everything comes as a result of work. You'll have to go out from here and practice again and again and again. And finally, in the course of years and years, you'll discover that you'll be rewarded richly for all the effort that you invested in Tikkun Amidus. You'll become a more and more perfect Eved Hashem every day of your life, fulfilling the purpose that you came into this world to achieve. Have a wonderful Shabbos.